I'm Don Merrill, and I'm talking with Stephen Johnson. Mr. Johnson is a Democrat. He's running for Oregon governor. Mr. Johnson, welcome. Thank you, Don. Mr. Johnson, first of all, uh, tell me, what is it that you do for a living? Right now, I am a um, home care provider, and I do that part-time. I'm mostly retired, Don. Okay. What is it that made you want to be governor? Well, I have been a lifelong resident and uh, citizen of Oregon. And in the past couple of years, some things have come to my attention that indicate to me that although Oregon's future is a bright future, we have some real difficult situations. Oregon has the resources, the ability to pay for so much of this simply through the expanded use of renewable resources, such as trees. We aren't using it. Our levels of production on our public lands are about, I believe, 14% of what our production on private lands in timber is. We need the money. Our tax base needs to be expanded through the, um, through the n new industry uh, of jobs. That is part of our tax base. The tax base, when we talk about it, generally we're talking about getting in your pocket, Don, taking a couple more dollars out. I don't believe that's necessary. I know it's not necessary. Some of our poorest counties now were some of our richest counties in the 70s. Let's turn back on the spigot of what Oregon is, timber. 50% of this state is forest land, 50%. That's about 47, 48, 49,000 square miles. We, aren't, we are not utilizing what has been granted to us by God or by nature, if you will. We're not using it. We are preserving it. And that is a trend that has been going on for about 80 years. But as you know, Oregon has had for a long time um, a, a mindset and a reputation as being a very environmentally based state and the replant, recycle, reuse mentality is, is part of that preservation of, of timber that you're talking about. So are you saying that the state needs to move away from that mentality in order to help grow the economy? Just the opposite. When I was a young, young man, I saw a clear cut take place on the way to a park that I hold very dear. And I was devastated to see the carnage that occurs in a clear cut. Just devastated. And now for the second time, that same patch of ground has been clear-cut once again. What, what patch of ground are you talking about? Well, 
this is a patch of ground on the way to Eagle Fern Park in Eagle Creek, Oregon, which is where I grew up till I was 14. What does that tell you? That tells you that it is a renewable resource. It doesn't go away. Also, well, well I wanted to make sure I understand now. I got the impression when you were first describing your reaction to a clear cut that it was emotionally traumatic. Yes. But you're saying that the second clear cut that you saw in the same patch of ground was not emotionally traumatic? No, it isn't. The reason is because when I first saw that, that was my first exposure to something that I enjoyed seeing, the shade that it provided that road, the sheer denseness of the forest. Um, that's all I knew at that age as a very young child. And to see that disappear was heartbreaking. But let me tell you, if you see a house that's just starting construction, it's not very pretty either. Pretty ugly. You have raw ground, but eventually you have something very nice. And this is a resource that becomes very nice. It might take half a lifetime to become nice again, but with 50% of the state in forest, we need to be using more of it. And the trend has been towards preserve, preserve, preserve for 80 years to the point where the Elliott State Forest is up for sale. Why? Well, first of all, let me explain what the Elliott State Forest is for. It was created to fund the schools. The state, when they made the decision to sell it, said, we're losing a million dollars a year. And they gave the reason. Litigation. 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 I believe that it's possible. For instance, in the Sayuslaw Forest, there are examples where preservationists and exploiters can work together on a plan that is good for the forest. We cannot save it all. We can't. We cannot save every stick of timber. So, that being, well, we could. We could save everything. We could save it all. But we'd have to vacate the state. There are a lot of other issues facing Oregonians as well, and I wanted to go through some of them, if you don't mind, sure. uh, and get your take on how you would, how you would approach them. First, I wanted to ask you about the minimum wage. As you know, there are a lot of uh, efforts toward trying to bring to Oregon a minimum $15 an hour minimum wage. If you become governor, and the governor has been supportive of an aspect of that, uh, $13.50, I think, in some parts of the state, um, and I think she wants to try to make that a statewide minimum wage for now as part of a stepped process. But what are your thoughts about a $15 an hour minimum wage? Well, I have thought about the governor's proposal for a split 
minimum wage between Portland and the rest of the state. I don't think it's a good idea to divide um, one part of our state from another part of our state where minimum wage is concerned. That leads to potential um, underdevelopment on a major portion of our state and a first-class attitude or feeling on the part of Portland. If we pass an increase in the minimum wage, which I believe we should, it has to be statewide. The amount of minimum wage is another question, and I don't think that's been well thought through. The governor proposed on a Friday X for a minimum wage increase, and then not five days later, she's already modifying it. I think we need to take some time, take a step back, and do a well-thought-out minimum wage increase. But yes, the minimum wage has to go up. The next thing I want to ask you about is... Um affordable housing here in Oregon. Yes. Now, as you know, um, there is a lot of difficulty for people who are trying to find first-time homes. Even renters now are having difficulty finding affordable rental units. So if you become governor, what are your plans regarding how housing opportunities can improve for Oregonians? I think that the population increase in the state as a whole is reaching a point where uh, we are having trouble with the existing housing stock providing uh, coverage, literally coverage, for families. I think that our current homeless situation, which plagues most of the states and most of the cities, in this state is a result of too few well-paying jobs. When I bought my first house, you could build a house for around $20 $25 a square foot. Now it's $750 a square foot. Um, we have spent a lot of money building high-rise uh, housing for low income at the rate of whatever it is. And we could look at other avenues for housing for low-income people, such as many houses. There is nothing wrong with having a $250 square foot place to live in if you need shelter. But one of the things I'm asking about, I'm not asking about low income housing in particular. I'm asking more generally for someone who moves to Oregon, who has a good job, 
but he and his family are unable to find, or she and her family are unable to find housing or rental units because of the high price. So what I'm asking about is is affordable housing for a young middle-class family, for example. Okay. I lived in St. John's from 1966 through 2000, and I was displaced because of gentrification. I lived in an eightplex at that time, we were literally kicked out of that eightplex so that it could become condominiums. I don't know if there's anything you can do about gentrification. I know that in 1950, there was like 1.5 million people in this state. Now, we're approaching four and a quarter million people in this state. Perhaps it's time to plan some new cities. I want to ask you now about graduation rates for Oregon. Now, as you may know, graduation rates for the state are among the lowest in the country. What would you do to raise high school graduation rates? And in part, the reason why I ask that is because employers have been complaining that the graduates they're getting aren't able to do the jobs they need them to do. So I guess... It's a two-part question. The first part is, what would you do to prepare the kids for the jobs that employers want? And then what would you do to help make sure those kids graduate? Okay, this is a, a, another issue facing this state that is very dear to me. Look, Don, a teacher was able to teach even me to read, to write, and do arithmetic. And I submit that if they could teach me to do it, by far the vast majority of kids should be able to be taught to read, write, and do arithmetic. It's not rocket science. The teachers have told me that I have spoken with 2A1 have all told me there is too much testing. There is too much interference from um, the supervisory staff of schools. And the classes are absolutely too big. In order to teach a child, you have to first get their attention. And I would submit that there is a number of students beyond which nobody can get their attention. We need to reduce the class sizes. That's going to take money. Where is it going to come from? And that is why I say we need to use more of what God has given us, nature has given us in this state, our natural renewable resources. The other thing is that when you said that the employers find that the people coming out with a high school diploma aren't prepared, what they are saying is that two out of ten of them cannot read the diploma 
that they're given when they cross the stage. In my opinion, if a child is not ready to move from grade one to grade two, you're not doing him a service by letting him go to grade two, where he's not only not ready for grade two, he hasn't even done the work necessary to graduate from grade one. Let me ask you, I want to move to the other end of the educational um, spectrum and ask you about a decision Oregon recently made to uh, make community college free in some circumstances. In part, uh, I think it was a move to help students reduce some of the big debt that they'll have by the time they're graduating seniors. So if you become governor, is there anything else that you plan to do to help reduce the debt load for uh, graduating college seniors in the state? Yes, there is. I would propose that the state of Oregon, in return for the student on graduation returning the favor of tuition, the student would agree to spend part of his career in this state. Let's say he has a four-year um, scholarship provided for by the state in some form. We could pay the student's tuition in return for service in this state. Not necessarily in the public sector. could be in private sector, but it's got to be in this state. That is going to give us a lot more brains working in this state to make Oregon what it should be. Something Governor Brown said she wants to do uh, is to make it easier for small business to do business in Oregon. Do you think it's difficult for small business to do business here in the state? And if you were governor, what would you do to make it easier for small business? We are not drawing small business to this state. And that is something that I am looking at, and I have to be honest with you. I don't have a handle on that. I do have a son who has been a small businessman in this state for 20 years. I have been a small businessman in this state for 20 years. I think we need to take a look at tax credits to encourage people to come here. Our corporate tax rate is already one of the smallest in the nations. So it's not because of that. I think it has to do with attitude. I think it has to do with an attitude coming out of the state house, where you had the previous governor, Mr. Kitzhaber, state publicly that he didn't want the jobs being offered by a particular business because it didn't fit the character of Oregon. Now, to me, to hear that coming from a governor, it was just arrogance. We can't be so arrogant to say, no, it doesn't fit the character. What is the character of Oregon? Hard work is the character of Oregon. And any employer who is willing to abide by 
our environmental standards is welcome in this state, including, including such things as liquefied natural gas, such things as coal. That coal is going through our state no matter what we do locally and no matter what we do at the state level. That highway out there called the Columbia River is a federal highway and the coal is going to do what coal needs to do, which is move. I'm not saying that that I that I like coal. I think it's a very dirty, um, very dirty substance that we are paying for using. I think that we can use our environmental laws to mitigate, remediate the damage done. I also think that industry, small business and large, start needs to start paying into a remediation mitigation fund. And it doesn't matter if you are a clean business or a dirty business. Remediation is going to be needed to be done. Mitigation is going to be needed to be done. Something else Governor Brown wants to do is she talked about how she wants to increase the safety of students in Oregon schools. In 2013, the school board in St. Helens, Oregon, allowed its teacher to carry concealed guns in school. Now, state law lets people with concealed carry permits carry guns on school ground with the permission of the institution. About half of the state's 25 colleges, uh, students can carry concealed carry uh, with the written permission of the school. But in light of shootings last year at Umco Community College in Roseburg and in 2014 at Reynolds High School in Troutdale, what do you think about the concept of guns in schools? Well, none of those people at any of those locations, except for uh, one student who was violating the policy, not violating a regulation, but a policy at the school in... Um, Grants Pass, was it? Umqua? Umqua. In Roseburg. In Roseburg. Uh, did have a weapon. But he wasn't the problem. The problem was the person with the weapon. So are you saying that you disagree with the idea of guns on campuses? No, I am saying that guns on campus are not the problem. People who are mentally ill or have an agenda or, God forbid, are terrorists do have guns. And there's no regulation that is going to stop those kinds of people from having guns. So what am I saying? The people with guns are not the problem. The people that have guns who shouldn't have them are the problem. So I just want to be clear. So you're okay with teachers having guns in, in, in primary and secondary schools, and you're okay with 
um, anyone with written permission from a state institution to have a gun on campus, whether it's a teacher or a student? I am. Okay. Absolutely. I want to ask you now about your thoughts about the current occupation of the Malheur Wildlife Refuge in Burns. Now, Governor Brown had said that the federal government had asked her not to talk about the situation, but she reached a point where she felt she had to. Um, and shortly after that, there was the unfortunate shooting of, of um, Robert Lavoie Finnegan. If you were governor, do you think you would have handled that situation differently? Actually, I do not. I called early on in the occupation to the sheriff's office because I have some law enforcement background. I felt, and because I was a candidate, I felt that there might be a positive outcome if those people occupying the refuge had a voice. As it turned out, they had plenty of voice. They were able to express themselves ad nauseum. And they have raised a very big question in Oregon, a very big question in the entire western United States. The way that the governor handled that particular situation, I think, was uh, from what I know, the only thing she could have done. She was being kept up, I am certain, on hour-to-hour -hour, uh, activities there. I, I cannot answer would I have done something different because I do not have the information that she was privy to. But as far as I can see, she did the right thing there. I don't have anything against the governor, generally speaking. Uh, for one thing, she's a fellow Democrat. Uh, for another... I think she did a fantastic job as Secretary of State. Not so happy with the job she's doing as governor, generally. But in this particular instance, I have to give her credit. I think she did the right thing. As you know, experts are predicting a 9.0 earthquake in Oregon uh, before 2030. If you became governor, what would you do to continue the work of preparing the state's infrastructure for that quake? Hmm. Well, as far as I, I would recommend, and, and I could only recommend as the governor, that we move critical, dangerous uh, uh, infrastructure to safer ground, such as oil storage. If it's left where it is now, uh, there's going to be big problems. So we have to look at both moving what we have and being prepared to lose what we have and create in our infrastructure as I said, we have to have new roads. There's no reason we can't take into account in the building of our new roads things like that magnitude of earthquake. And this is my last question. Efficiency in government is, is more and more being associated with retirement benefits, 
and the call by some legislators in other states that those means of distributing those benefits need to be organized, reorganized. Uh, the Supreme Court uh, rejected Oregon legislature's attempt to fix some of the problems with PERS last year. So I want to ask you about your thoughts uh, regarding the Oregon Public Employee Retirement System. And as governor, is there anything that you could think that you would do to help make the program better serve employees and taxpayers? The retirement system that we have now is not uh, sustainable at the levels that we have been uh, funding the system. And this is why the legislature is looking at uh, another approach. I don't have an exact approach. I, I recognize that we have got to do something. And I would be, as governor, expecting the legislature to uh, come up with some better alternatives than cutting people's pensions out from under them. I don't think that's the right approach. Not when they've worked for 25, 35 years for the state. Well, Mr. Johnson, I really appreciate you taking the time to come in and talk to me, sir. Thank you very much. You're very welcome, Don. Thank you. I'm Don Merrill. I've been talking with Stephen Johnson. Mr. Johnson is a Democrat, and he's running for Oregon governor. Thanks for listening.